2: everybody i am here with brendan aka bastish b how's it going
3: i'm pretty good and you
2: excellent so uh you're a few hours before me so it's 8 a.m for you right now yeah, yeah it's, pretty it's 10 a.m for me so it's why uh you know a bunch of people in the comments over the years of my videos have been like wow bob looks drunk in that video no this is what i look like in the morning i'm just always <laughs> happy trying to grind through a day get as much sleep as i can and do it all over so yeah if we're sleepy that's why <laughs> <laughs> so um you are uh, uh it's kind of hard to describe your channel because you have these like documentaries about stuff that are great i loved the alien one and the strike one which we'll get into in, in a bit um but you also kind of just yep. have other stuff on your channel so it's kind of like me in that you don't have one channel for documentaries one channel for talking one channel. you just kind of right. throw all on one youtube channel right
3: yeah, yeah 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 so uh i try to keep it like try to keep the variety on the channel like pretty broad uh the focus mainly of my channel at least is the commodore 64 that's like near and dear to my heart mm-hmm. it's like it's the computer i grew up on but um i definitely try to um you know have a lot of variety so it's not just one type of video you always see you know i got documentaries and you know interviews with people and uh, just a whole bunch of stuff covering arcades and uh, all the console stuff and computers. So I just like variety. That's just my personal opinion. I love what I like to do on my channel.
2: So um, how did you start doing all of this stuff? Like what was the dip your toe in the water to, to begin this?
3: Yeah, so probably in, I think it was 2018, I kind of got the bug again to play my old Commodore 64. I hadn't like, I hadn't played it in more than a decade. I just, mm. you know, kind of just continued you on. you to
2: your original one? You just you uh, had it at
3: the time? My original one, no. This was one I bought probably in the late 90s. So, yeah, I had it. Well, for, I mean, that's what so, I mean. Like, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. you didn't go out and buy a C64. No, you no, I, really, I,
3: I still already had one. It was just like in a box. And um, I kind of pulled it out and set it up again and started playing some of my old games, like really enjoying it. And uh, I wanted to go on to YouTube and check out a bunch of videos to like, you know, watch some videos on games, older games that I really enjoyed and stuff like that. And I honestly just couldn't find any videos with like, kind of like, you know, proper context to them in terms of like the games that I used to love. Um, and I was kind of surprised. There was really high profile C64 games that sh- I couldn't find any videos that were satisfying to me, like represented the games, you know, like I felt like it was a bit of a disservice and I'm not saying there's no good C64 channels, or anything I okay, get. That's obviously ridiculous, but I couldn't find anything personally that I like gravitated towards. So I was like, well, screw this. I'm just going to make my own channel and, you know represent yeah. the games the way i used to like love them and just give give them actual context and some sort of historical context with like the making of them and people behind them just so these games have more representation so that's the whole reason why i started my channel mm-hmm. yeah yeah you know much.
2: but you you do have a good blend of making sure people know why certain why certain facts are important for that time, because, and this is kind of a a trap that I fall into on both sides. I either over-explain or I skip right by it and people are like, well, why did that matter? But, you know, things like, you know, in the alien one, you were talking Mm -hmm. about the release of the movies and how that related to the reaction of the fans for the games. And if you had left that out, uh, the video would have still been good, but it just, it added much more perspective. And for people that grew up then, it's an immediate click of like, Oh, that's right. And for people who hadn't younger people, they could be like, Oh, well, that's interesting. I didn't think there would have been a bad alien movie, which there were.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No. um, That's, that's what I think uh, a lot of, um, a lot of videos don't actually do. And, you know, they don't put things into perspective. So if, Somebody is, if you didn't grow up with that, exactly what you just said, if you you didn't grow up with these games or in that time, you wouldn't really get the gist of what somebody is really saying. You would just get like a vague idea of what they're saying. And I'm trying to like make videos so just people that don't know much about a system can actually watch it and enjoy it and have some sort of sense of what's going on as opposed to like, you know, having like a gatekeeper kind of mentality where if you don't know anything about that system, you've got no chance of really understanding what somebody is talking about. You're just getting like a vague idea. So always try to make it like as open as possible, which I think is like kind of more fun to watch anyway.
2: Yeah, I mean, those videos are good too. It's just as long as, you know, uh, like a good example, somebody in the comments the other day said, hey, you know, uh, I I tried to follow this video, but why, why would you need to use a SCART connector? And I was like, you know, all I, all I would have needed to do is put which I did update, by the way, but in the description, <laughs> I could have just said this video is for people who've already decided they want to use RGB SCART cables. And that's yeah, yeah. it. So now mm. it's up to the, the viewer. If you don't if you look at this and you go, what the heck is this? And you don't even bother to to click on the description before commenting. Now it's on you. But that was a very valid question. And I screwed that up. But it yeah. was also a video that was only really about that subject. It wasn't a video about what is RGB. So, it's, right. you know, I think as long as you as long as you have mm. some kind of very quick and basic disclaimer, like you need yeah. to know what a Commodore 64 is before watching this video. Yeah, Whereas yeah. <laughs> you really don't, uh, especially with the alien video, you you absolutely don't. Cause you mentioned different versions and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah I like them both. I like both styles.
3: Cool. Yeah, me too. I mean, uh, I've got to like, you know, try to keep it varied. That's all I can really say. Uh, uh, I do like both styles. Um uh, obviously, the historical context for me is always like prom. I would, I just love like looking back at stuff and uh, getting that kind of nostalgic feeling and like uh, putting it into perspective, kind of thing.
2: You know, it's funny though. In the Alien one, I agreed and disagreed with you about something. I actually <laughs> liked Prometheus. I liked that movie. I don't uh, know why. Man. I just thought it was cool. But <laughs> yeah. holy crap, that scene! where it's going straight (laughs) forward and you were like just go left how about go right like i was so mad in the theater i was like this is the dumbest thing i've ever seen i can't believe this is a big budget film this is some shit out of a b horror movie i
3: know exactly right let's
2: go into the back room with all the knives and chainsaws that's the perfect place to hide like turn Uh, left what's wrong with you
3: (laughs) i know i just when i watched it in the cinema i just couldn't believe what i was watching I mean, obviously, the spaceship is massive. And even if you went left or right, you probably wouldn't have been able to outrun it realistically. But, you know, if you were a normal human, you would have looked back and either ran left or right. You would not have carried on running forward. It's ridiculous.
2: (laughs) Yes. That that absolutely drove me crazy. I couldn't believe it. Oh, I just couldn't stand it. I know.
3: Uh, It's terrible. It just gets worse and worse, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, what a shame. So,
2: um, where, how did you start out with the the C64 as a kid? Like, was it because um, in the US, mm-hmm. that wasn't the, the most popular one. Home computers, you yeah. had, like IBM PCs, but most kids that I knew, at least when I was growing up, had the NES, some mm-hmm. were master system on the West Coast, but, um, but it was mostly just like console and, and yeah. IBM compatible PC. Remember that? IBM compatible.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Um, So I grew up in uh, South Africa when I was a kid. And I moved in Durban, South Africa. It's like on the coast, north coast. And um, so we got mainly, uh, as far as video games go, we got a lot of European video games and Japanese video games. That was predominantly what I grew up on and obviously we got us stuff but it was mainly european and japanese so, so uh, i'm going to interrupt mm, a
2: second is mm-hmm. south africa pal or ntsc and is it it's, 50 hertz or it, 60 hertz it's pal that's what i thought you were going to so, say yeah yeah yeah, okay. yeah just checking.
3: so yeah so i had a uk um commodore 64 i got it in 1984 my dad bought it uh before that i was playing at my friend's house my next door neighbor He had a Commodore 64 and that was about 1983. So I was like, I started out with the Commodore 64 when it was like originally released, which was pretty cool and got my own one in 84 and just started playing games like a madman. And uh, we got all the, obviously the European games, all the games on cassette. That's mainly what Europe used for uh, C64 games and basically computer games generally for that kind of time period uh, disc disc games weren't very popular. Um, I did get a disc drive though. I was lucky enough to get one. And then I started pirating games like a madman. Um, that's just part of the Commodore 64 scene, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's where it started. And then obviously progressed to like, you know, consoles and that later, but my C64, Mm -hmm. I used that right up until the bitter end, like in 1993, which I know uh, as far as US goes, it was long gone before that. It was, you know, it, it had faded out by like 89 was like the end of like real releases, 89, 90, like, and that's pushing it to the limit. But in Europe, the computer went on for a lot longer, especially games-wise. Mm-hmm. So I was re- there right to the end, but I did get a Sega Mega Drive before that, so I was playing like Commodore 64 and a Mega Drive, which is really weird combination, but... Uh, uh, Awesome absolutely, I absolutely loved it. So that's 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 where my C sixty four days started anyway.
2: You know, it's thinking back to that time, right? I mm. had a, a candy color computer <clears throat> too, so I guess I, <clears throat> I didn't know this until later in life but people called it the Coco Two or something. But yeah, I got um, one, but- right, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yes, you do. So I was just about to say, you got the cartridge port right in the side, which you can yeah. see right over your mic, yeah. but you also had a cassette adapter for it. Mm-hmm. So the cartridges, the games were about Atari 2600-ish, right. maybe a little better, but not really. Mm. Certainly not, not today, looking back, they would look the same to us today. Maybe yeah, back yeah. then, we would talk about how much better the graphics <laughs> were, but, um, but then they had a cassette player, which you could use to listen to music cassettes. Yeah. But then you would have to load those games up in memory by playing a cassette. Right, and it, That's just one of those things where, like, I really hope computer and video game museums take the time to set that up and keep it working because right. people need to remember how horrible that was. <laughs> <laughs> like, you get the sense of nostalgia, it's cool, but, yeah. like, it, it also... Like, I don't think people... It's its easy to forget how long it took to boot software back then. Any oh, that, yeah,
3: it took ages. I mean... My goodness, there was, there, there was certain C64 games that you would have to, it took like 15 minutes to load, which, you know, if you think about it in like realistic terms, 15 minutes is not a long time, but 15 minutes to wait for a single game to load, it's it's pretty long. But uh, what I do like about the C64 games and even like a lot of the European cassette games at least, um, the US ones didn't do that that much, but they used to have like loading music and pictures that used to come up while the games lo- loaded, which was very different. And the music was really, really good. So it actually kind of kept you entertained while you waited and you listened to the music and uh, read the instruction manual while you were waiting. So it's kind of very, very nostalgic to load those game, games up. Even now, even though it's like, it takes a long time. It, it It's like, it makes you, appreciate the game when it finally loads as opposed to now when you just you know put something on like instantly and then you uh you play it for like a minute and then you just jump onto something else because you know you can do it quickly but when you load up a game off cassette like right now like say right now once that game's loaded I'm not going to turn it off in like 30 seconds because (laughs) I've waited like a while for it so you actually give it give it a little bit more of a chance if you know what i mean like you don't just skip to the next thing which i kind of like
2: i like both you know it, yeah it, what you just said kind of makes me reappreciate that, though, because you're right. You know, you could sit there and open up the manual and know what to expect and just take a moment to get yourself in the mindset of a game and mm. really sink into it. But at the same time, I could also, <laughs> in that same era, fire up an NES, go to Tetris, go to B-mode, set everything up to nine, and now I'm having yeah, yeah. A balls-to-the-wall badass Tetris <laughs> sessions, and I probably have five of them before your game even starts. Oh, so yeah, I'm of like, course. <laughs> I appreciate both of those things.
3: Yeah, no, they're both good in both ways. I've got a, um, a C64 Maxi, which is like the full keyboard version, the one that was released a couple of years ago. That's with the HDMI connection. So I got that, which I use like uh, games. I play games off USB on that, and mm-hmm. obviously it's instant. So that's what I use for like practical aspects of like for the channel. Like, you know, I'm obviously not going to be – I don't record stuff off the original C64. It's just too cumbersome. I would take, like,
0: forever to make any video. It just wouldn't – it's simply not practical. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive – as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you.
1: Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zipline through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean.
3: Ships Registry, Bahamas. In any sort of way, time-wise anyway. So I use the... uh and I it's certainly that, not practical mm. to do that in a
2: video, but I bet no. you in a live stream, that mm. might be a good way to get people a, fired up. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. start your live stream, load the game, and yeah. then, you know, just kind of talk, listen to the music. Mm. Hopefully you won't get copyright strike for the <laughs> Commodore music. And, you know, then, then kind yeah, of get yeah. into the game.
3: Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, pretty much.
2: <laughs> so uh, I know I'm jumping around here and I always do, but for anybody watching this on video, uh, you have a Pac-Man rug on your floor behind you that's basically the pac-man yes screen but it's a neat rug that is pretty cool i don't think i've seen that one before is that like a thing that you could order or did you stumble across uh, that somewhere
3: i stumbled across that where did i find that i think i bought it off etsy um i go on there like every once in a while not very often but sometimes you find something weird and cheap that was cool mm. and that's actually, um, I thought it was, I wasn't sure what the quality was going to be like. You know, it's all hit and miss when you buy stuff like that, but, uh, it turned out it's actually really cool. <laughs>
2: I got uh, two two in a row lucky. I got one that's uh, like a hand towel for a bathroom that has like yeah. video game controllers on it. And then I had a toilet seat cover that I had a Super Mario World scene on. So like Mario <laughs> shooting out of the pipe and the thing. And I uh, <laughs> put that up on social media. And I was so yeah. annoyed. Nobody yeah. commented that it was the perfect yeah. four by three aspect ratio. I made all the artwork <laughs> myself and made sure to line it all up. But yeah, that was, that was two really, really cool ones in a row. But I like stuff like that. I'm always kind of looking around and seeing... You know, I, I've just it, it took till my late twenties, but I just embraced that I'm weird. I don't really care if anybody doesn't like <laughs> that about me. So if if I want to surround myself with things that make me happy, anybody else could get out of my house if they don't like it. So,
3: oh yeah, I totally agree. I mean, this is like my office area where, I, like you know, edit videos and stuff like that. You can't really see it all, but there's just computers and consoles everywhere here, all set up to record stuff, and uh, I just love it. I've got like posters of a Japanese poster up here of Mad Max Two, the road warrior, the Japanese poster. I've just got crazy stuff all over the place. It's love just, it. you have your uh, arcade marquee of
2: 1943 up there, Yeah, uh, which might be cut off when I edit this, but funny, <laughs> I have the same exact one, oh, you do? That one that was signed by Hotego. Cause he did the, you know, oh, nice for that. So yeah, it was wow. cool.
3: that's cool. Yeah. I think I got that one off eBay. yeah uh, that was a lucky find. <laughs>
2: nice. Yeah, I, I love, had that game uh, for the NES growing up, and I, I like oh yeah. that one. Although yeah. that was what, that's what made us buy a joystick with a turbo function, mm. because that smashing the buttons. Oh,
3: jeez, yeah. Totally that was
2: that. fun for about 30 <laughs> seconds, where I was like, oh, look, yeah, we're yeah. just like the kids from the commercials. And it's like, okay, this sucks. Yeah, like, no, no.
3: <laughs> the arcade is absolutely phenomenal. I just love that game. Wow. Yeah played it so much like every it's time i saw that game mm, oh yeah it goes on
2: forever it's not <laughs> you know it's if uh, i wish there was a it, i wish there's like level cheats you could go so you could skip mm. towards the end just to, yeah, yeah, yeah. to get right to the harder you know the the harder yeah. levels but i do enjoy yeah. playing it I like the music but it goes yeah. on and on and on.
3: it does <laughs> it does i think i think the first one is uh, 1942 is even even it feels even longer to me that game is damn hard.
2: <laughs> yeah, did they have a port for that for Commodore sixty four? It was ported to like everything, right? Uh, yeah,
3: nineteen forty two and nineteen forty three. Uh, unfortunately, they're not very good. Uh, no. no, they, they just. Yeah, this
2: one wasn't terrible. Definitely, yeah, not the best yeah, yeah. Part, yeah. It it's not. Bad. It's not the
3: best, but it's not terrible either. Yeah, it's kind of like mid range. Yeah, the C sixty four one's okay. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it, but yeah, there's much better arcade conversions. <gasps>
2: I mean, is there is there like a short list of stuff that you would recommend for people who want to, you know, fire up a Mr. Core or go into software emulation and just kind of see what the C64 was like? Or?
3: Ooh, that is so difficult. Um, yeah, there's, so totally. many, there's so many games. Um, I did make a video. Recently, uh, top two hundred Commodore sixty four games. I couldn't narrow it down to less than two hundred. I know it's mental. It's like five hours long. But uh, if you want to, if you want to check that out, that it gives you two hundred recommendations. But my personal favorite Commodore sixty four games are um, the Last Ninja One and Two. It's like a asymmetric um, kind of action adventure games with phenomenal music. Uh, don't play the NES version it's <laughs> terrible <laughs> it's not even any representation of the game it's like some sort of hacked down version and it's not even part 1, it's part 2 but they call it part 1, so confusing Uh, don't play those uh, but anyway, uh, Lost Ninja 1 and 2, I like a lot of uh, old computer type RPGs so like, you know, Ultima games um, I know those were on uh, PC and all that um, Ultima 4 and 5, absolutely love those. Wasteland, um, you know, like precursor to like Fallout basically and stuff like that. Uh, there's, there's a lot. Um, it depends. For, for Commodore 64, there's a, a major difference between North American games and European games. A lot of people don't realize that when they, if they don't know anything about the system. So for the US, US games predominantly, um, this is not the case for everything, obviously, but it's, it's just generally speaking, um, RPGs and strategy games and a little bit more in-depth games were more common. And if you look at the European games, uh, arcade style games were way more popular. So like, you know, arcade conversions and like platform games and racing and that kind of stuff and obviously US was a lot different, although there, were, there, there was a lot of crossover. But if you look at the games that were released like officially and uh, the games that were promoted for the system, there's a massive difference between the styles of games, which I find very interesting because there's not a lot of systems that have that kind of completely different library of games.
2: Yeah, Yeah, that is a good point um what is there a way that you would suggest that people test these out uh, before jumping into original hardware or anything i mean is there one really good software emulator that people could just use on their pc obviously if you have a mister Mm -hmm. you know definitely go that route but you know what what would your suggestion be
3: yeah so if you want to try out commodore 64 stuff the easiest way on your pc at least as far as i'm concerned is a emulator it's called VAS. it's uh it's probably the best C64 emulator you can find.
2: Um, Is that just V-A-S?
3: V-R-C-E. Bus.
2: V-R-C-E. Okay.
3: <laughs> yeah, V-R-C-E. I'm so, just leaving a note, so I'll make sure to put a link in there. The yeah. The
2: Commodore emulator.
3: There we are. Yeah. Okay. So that's probably the um, easiest way to do it. Uh, you do need to – I mean, you can work everything with a mouse, so you can, you know, select everything – but you do need some sort of basic C64 knowledge to understand it a bit. I mean, I mean, you could say that about any emulator, anyway. You know, if you like boot up some sort of DOS emulator, you need to know some sort of vague idea of what DOS was and how it works. But uh, if you mess around a little bit, you will you will be able to figure it out. Uh, getting games is very easy. Uh, copyright, as far as C64 stuff is. I don't know. It's like almost like public domain. You could probably consider it. I know it's not, but (laughs) as far as like the community goes, you can find it easy. I would suggest checking out csdb.dk. It's um, the Commodore scene database. It's got every single game you could possibly ever want. And you can download them in like one second because it's like a couple (laughs) kilobytes of data, the games anyway. So, um, yeah, that's that's the best place to pick up games. So, that'll that'll definitely get you started.
2: Cool. All right, I uh, I just had both of those queued up, so I'll make sure to add that to the show notes and everything. Awesome. Um for people who love original hardware, which mm. you know, just a quick disclaimer: a lot of people seem to think that I'm this elitist that looks down upon people that use anything other than the original. <laughs> Couldn't be farther from the no. truth. But there are people out there who want the original hardware experience, especially if it's right. something you grew up with or it's something that becomes mm. important to you. I'll always have a Super Nintendo and a Genesis for the rest of my life, even if I don't start playing them less. It doesn't really yeah. matter. But, <laughs> uh is there are are there versions that you would recommend and more importantly uh what accessories would you think are go-tos for now optical drive emulators disc drive emulators like kind of give us a rundown of that what do you use obviously too
3: yeah so for the c64 like i said earlier um actually the reason the way i got back into c64 in general was because of the c64 mini that got released um i was actually a backer on that a couple years before it even got released because i wanted it so so badly and uh that was actually the gateway to get back into c64 because um i could play it on like a modern tv on that i didn't have a crt at the time so i had to buy one of those to play but um yeah, so there's 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 a lot of options. You got a C sixty four mini, which I wouldn't really suggest. I would suggest just going to the next level and get the C sixty four maxi, so what it's called. Can you
2: please clarify? Because I can't mm-hmm. remember, does the keyboard actually work on the mini?
3: So the keyboard doesn't work on the mini. Okay. So that's that's is a bit of an issue. You can plug in a, a regular keyboard into the USB slot. So, you know, you've you've got the experience, but the Commodore 64 keyboard is laid out differently. You know, there's there's certain keys that are specific to the C64. So if you're using a a PC keyboard, you're going to be a bit confused. You know, it's not going to line up. So it makes playing certain games confusing, uh, basically. So I would suggest getting the C64 Maxi, which is like the bigger full-size version of it and with a fully functional keyboard. That makes totally sense. And that you can obviously just, like I said earlier, you can just put games onto a USB drive, stick it and start playing. And that's the best way to play modern C64 games, I feel. If you're going for original hardware, which I love original hardware, but I use the original hardware just for messing around and playing stuff. You know, you can't use it practically for video applications. But for a C64 that I've got, I've got an NTSC one right now because I don't have that. Well, I got a Power One, but I use the NTSC one now because I live in Canada. So um, for that, I got a cartridge. It's called a Kung Fu Flash. Basically, it's like a flash cartridge you can put on, um, you know, all your games and put it into the back of the real Commodore 64, which has a cartridge slot. And then you can, it gives you a menu system. So, you know, like a lot of other things like that on other systems and you can play games that way. That is a phenomenal way to play on your real C64 because the Kung Fu flash cartridge is not that expensive. So you're not looking at like three or $400, like some of these ones out there for certain systems. You're looking at, um, I think it was 50 or $60, which is pretty reasonable for what you're getting. And so the Kung Fu flash cartridge I would highly recommend that especially if you um have an NTSC C64 and a PAL one it's actually compatible. The NTSC um the NTSC com- compatibility is not 100% because it's made in Europe the Kung Fu flash cartridge but for me for just messing around on my real C64 once in a while you know to play the games on the real thing it's perfectly fine so I think that's a really good solution
2: that's awesome so i was just kind of um i'm taking notes as i was listening uh, mm. it, so i'm going to have all the links to everything that you just mentioned in the description for people that want to kind of go through all of this stuff but they all look like pretty decent options um and uh, you know the mini consoles are definitely good gateway drugs for yeah. lack of better you know lack of better <laughs> yeah. description here yeah, yeah. Um, how how does the mini and the maxi really compare though Like, is it, is it going to be a thing where the audio is all off and delayed and there's input (laughs) Mm -hmm. lag and, or, or is it good enough?
3: I think, uh, I think if you just want to get a nostalgia fix, I think it's good enough. I think for the, um, the mini and the maxi there's, you know, there's a slight delay. It's not enough to even for me, it's not even enough to even complain about, uh, but, uh, sound wise the c64 has like a really awesome uh sound chip the sid chip uh the music is absolutely phenomenal in the system and um you know the mini and the maxi do a decent job uh, for most games you're not going to notice too much of a difference uh there are certain games where it sounds a little bit off but uh you know sound emulation is pretty difficult i'm sure you understand that but uh <laughs> I, I think uh i think like you know for most for most people you you're going to be pretty happy so uh it is a good solution and i think i think the mini consoles are all really cool things to get people into something and uh, it doesn't have to be perfect that's not really the point it's just it's like a gateway like you said it gets somebody like interested in something and you can just try out a whole bunch of games really quickly and uh i think they're a great idea i wish uh they need to make a dreamcast one come on get on that sega (laughs)
2: agreed agreed so yeah i mean you know it's one of those things where with the original uh, the best example the original genesis mini it's like one of my cousins asked me about that i'm like Mm. look if you want to feel a blast of nostalgia from when you had one as a kid absolutely buy it absolutely buy it spend 15, 20 minutes going through a couple of games, playing a few minutes, and put it on your shelf, and you have this really cool box and thing mm. on there, and it's great, but if you actually want to play it, forget it. Whereas yeah. the second one, the Genesis Mini 2, yeah, yeah give it a try see what you think if if you like it but some feels off after a couple hours of playing then go to the different solutions but hey, you might just like it that's fine so i, I really hope that they, we get to a point where they're they're all kind of like that where they're totally usable and they're not you don't have to add that huge disclaimer like well look this isn't quite how they play even on flat rails. Right. <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah yeah
2: um so growing up in south africa what you said obviously you know there's the european connection and it was pal stuff but did you get a lot of things um from other parts of the world that maybe other people might not have had exposure to like you also mentioned you had some japanese games that you were able to get there
3: yeah so uh a lot of uh, systems weren't officially released in south africa you know um I remember the, the first system I remember actually got officially released by a real company was the Mega Drive or Genesis. Um, I remember Sega actually was in South Africa and they had, you know, a, an official presence. So that was the first time I remember um, an actual company released something. But uh, so everything else was kind of like the Wild West, you know, like <laughs> you just got um, you ba- I basically went to import shops all the time, um, video game Im- import shops, and used to buy the stuff that way because that was the only way to get it. And uh, most of it, like I said earlier, was from Europe, uh, in- England in particular, and also uh, lots of Japanese stuff. Um,
2: Did you have to deal with any kind of region modding back then in order to get uh, the Japanese stuff to work? Or so,
3: so for the most part, the Japanese stuff, um, yeah, uh, my Mega Drive, I got it modded and so I could play Japanese and uh, PAL European games. So that's how I, I got that to work. Um,
2: and there were also, just shops in South Africa that would do that? I'm sorry to keep interrupting, but like, oh no, yeah. uh, this is my first exposure <laughs> yeah. to that. A really good friend of mine grew up in South Africa, mm. but she never played video games. So I never yeah. got any of this info from her.
3: Yeah, so there's... Where I used to live in Durban, like if you went, you had to go into the big city to go to these shops or some sort of big mall, but I would always end up stumbling across these small little shops, usually run by some crazy uh, little Chinese guy or something like that. <laughs> he used to like, there were multiple dudes that used to, uh, there was a Taiwanese guy I used to know, and they all owned these like tiny little shops, but they imported like all the games and they would just, um, they would your console for you or whatever mm. system it was. And uh, yeah, they would you just give it to the guy and come back the next, next day and it's done. And then you have like access to his entire like shop full of uh, Japanese games, which was like absolute like gold mine to me. Like besides the C64, like import games is like my favorites. So uh, yeah, there were quite a lot of those shops. You just had to like, you know, there was no advertising or anything like that. You just had to walk down an alley and then you just happened to see something because um, that's the way I found all of them. And uh, there was actually this one alley in uh, Durban. Uh, I think it was called London House Arcade. It was called Arcade, which is ironic. There were no arcades in there, but there was a whole bunch of these little tiny little like import shops where I used to pick up all the games and you got them for for a pretty decent price too. They were way less than like the official stuff. So, oh, I just spent, I used to go there all the time. It was crazy. There there was also a lot of uh, pirated games, which I used to pick up, which, (laughs) but that that was just part of uh, living in South Africa, I guess.
2: I had, um, there was only one store that I knew of, but it was only music. It wasn't video games Mm. and they went as far as they had CD duplicators that could even print on CDs, which nowadays it's like, yeah, I got three of those in the corner that I picked up at a thrift shop for a dollar, (laughs) but back in the nineties, that was.
0: This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three row, all electric SUV, the Kia EV9 with available all wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With 0-60 to 60 speed that thrills you one minute, and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash ev9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely.
3: That was, that was, there
0: was yeah. a
2: couple stuff that I bought there that I didn't realize it was a bootleg until until really the internet became more in mainstream because I'm right. looking it up like what is this Metallica garage days and more? They never had one <laughs> and more. What's the and more? And it was basically the, this place just took a bunch of bootlegs they found of their demos and stuck them on at the end of it and <laughs> made the artwork to make it look like it was a real Metallica CD. Yeah, and yeah, They were filled with stuff like that until they eventually got caught and shut down, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it was neat.
3: Yeah, no, that happened a lot. Uh also remember um, I think it was late – Maybe late 80s, early 90s, 89, 90, South Africa got like this massive influx of consoles, bootleg uh, Famicoms. Um, and they were so cheap that everybody, like everybody I knew under the sun, had a Famicom, a, a Japanese knockoff. Famicom in their home. And those things were everywhere, and you could buy the bootleg games. Some of them were in Japanese, some of them were in English. You just had to like roll the dice, you know, buy it and roll the dice to see what you were going to get. And uh, I just remember like country was just flooded with that before the Mega Drive came out. But uh, that was like really cool. <laughs> just- yeah,
0: I
2: absolutely love stories like that. And there yeah. was, I'm um, seeing if I could look it up. Ah, I can't find it. There was a friend of mine. I grew up in Albania and it was the same yeah. story of like their bootleg Famicom stuff, but yeah. it was it was called something crazy. I've talked about it before, like the um, like the Terminator or something like that, or you know, <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was you know, whatever local company stuck a made up a name exactly it on, but I think. His might have been the one that was actually a Sega Genesis, but it looked like a Famicom or something oh, like that. Yeah.
3: There's lots of weird variations. It's so weird.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I just, that's why I, I kept, you know, that's why I keep asking yeah. you all these little nitpick mm. questions. I, that shit's just fascinating to me because yeah. we had, um, I didn't live near a KB Toys, which was a, a thing back then. Yeah. I lived near two Toy Works, which is the same thing, but a different brand. And they were uh, Nintendo only for a while, and then they had Genesis stuff, and then, I mean that was really it. They didn't have any Master System things. They didn't have any Commodore, or you know, if you wanted the small computers, you had to go to Radio Shack to get the Tandy stuff, and you know, this, so it was very very limited for me growing up, which is why I always love hearing stories about what other people saw as kids.
3: Yeah, I think uh, I think the shops in South Africa, as far as games go, were pretty diverse. Uh, Mm. The ones in the eighties were very computer related. Um, There was basically no console stuff at all. Computers were a lot more prominent um, in that time in the eighties and early nineties. And then consoles obviously became like the driving force. And then the shops kind of switched, but uh, they were pretty diverse. I was like, you know, I wish I, I wish I could go back in time and go to those shops now and actually document them, you know, like, because you look online to find stuff about old video game shops and there's hardly anything like, because we yeah. all just, we we lived in that time and we didn't think that it was going to go away. So nobody like documented these things. Like there's no, I've, I've like no photos or video, or anything of all the shops I used to go to, which, ah, oh man, it's such a, such a shame that none of those are like around for people to look at now, it will be pretty fascinating. I think if I had to look at them right now, I'd be like, whoa, you had that. I didn't even realize it, you know, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Yeah.
2: That's yeah, funny. Right. So, um, so did, you, did you, the place that you lived, was it more of a city or more of like a town that just had a bunch of shops?
3: So I used to live out in a place called Queensborough. It was kind of like out in the suburbs. So I used to have to uh, catch a train to go into Durban, like the main city. That's where all the uh, the import shops were and where all the arcades were, which I used to go like every weekend, catch a train into the big city and hit up all the arcades. Like, you know, all, all, all my favorite ones I used to like start off, like the one near the train station and just go to the beachfront area where they had those big massive arcades and all the way around. And then we used to, usually end the day by watching a movie at the cinema and then jump on the train and go home. So it was like this whole thing, but yeah, it was just uh, such good times. So yeah, you had to go to the big city to check out that kind of stuff.
2: That's pretty awesome. And when did you end up going to Canada?
3: So moved to Canada in the end of 1998. Mm-hmm. So the first, as soon as I got here, I uh, started looking around for gaming shops so i'm like okay i don't know where i am though because uh, you come to another country if you've never lived in different countries before if you if you go to another country you basically know nothing you're like zero you like 0 you do not even know like left from right it's very confusing and i remember we got we walked from our place uh, which we were renting when we got here and I got lost and we had to catch a taxi to get back to it <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't even know like left from right. But uh, the first the first thing I bought when I got to Canada is I managed to stumble across this Asian mall and I didn't even know what it was. And uh, I just went in there and there's just a lot of uh, these weird little shops with just lots of we had stuff. I've just never seen all this stuff before. It was a mixture of Japanese and Chinese, like stuff all just mashed together. And uh, I stumbled across an import shop. Of course, I just like my luck. And the first first thing I saw there was an import uh Sega Dreamcast, but this was like near the end of ninety eight. And I just looked and I was just like, I'm coming back next week and I'm buying this and I came back the next week and I bought it. So I got a Dreamcast immediately, like, you know, not long after it was released in Japan. So that was the first thing I bought in Canada with my money. And, uh, wow. I was like so happy.
2: (laughs) That's awesome. That is really cool. Yeah. So, um, For people that are starting out and want to kind of check out your channel and check out C64 stuff, is there a couple of videos that you would suggest that they begin with on your channel and then kind of, you know, what's the gateway drug to your channel?
3: (laughs) So I would definitely, if you you want to get into C64 stuff, I've got a 40th anniversary documentary that I made about six months ago. And uh, it's pretty... if you want to get into the C64 and not just from a nostalgic perspective, if you want to get into it from a now perspective, um, the video is about, you know, old C64 and the modern scene, which is nice. very important. So it's not, and how, it, and, you know, it covers everything of how to play new games, every aspect from music to the, the, the European demo scene, the history of the system. It's got everything. I've got, I gathered like people from around the world and interviewed them all people like from uh, Europe, US, uh, Australia where all where the system was like super popular. And so it's a very broad perspective. So the C64 40th anniversary documentary I would definitely check out and obviously the top 200 games if you <laughs> want to see my personal top 200 which is obviously madness but you can go for it anyway. and uh, But if you want to uh, also see other stuff about the channel, um, it's not just C- C64. Please check out the documentary section. It's a lot of variety there um, and uh, arcades, consoles, all that kind of stuff, just stuff I like. And I've got a lot of other shows, obviously, um, just all manner of video gaming, so... Knock yourself out.
2: <laughs> That's pretty cool. I would. I'm going to leave a link. Uh, I'll embed the 40th anniversary one into the post, and I'll also awesome. link to the the two that uh, my two favorites so far. I've only uh, been able to see a handful, but yeah, I like the Alien and the Strike ones both. And uh, actually, wanted to ask your opinion on that. Mm. If I, I haven't played a Strike game in 20 years, basically, yeah. so now what would you suggest I go to?
0: Ooh. Jungle,
2: urban, or desert?
0: Because, mm. you know,
2: one of the points yeah. that you made in the video is mm. that urban was pretty similar. So by the time it came out, it was like, oh, we just had this, but that doesn't yeah. apply to me anymore because right. now I'm almost approaching it with a new, you know, new set of eyes.
3: Yeah. 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 You make a good point there. Um, ooh, that would be so hard. What would I suggest now?
2: Not the thirty-two XCD
3: one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I would suggest probably. I I still think Jungle Strike is the one to go for if you want to play the classic trilogy. You know the the Genesis ones because it's it's kind of middle ground. It's a little bit faster paced than Desert Strike, but it's also it feels. I don't know. It just feels a little bit fresher than urban. I know you're saying like if you play it now, urban will feel fresh, but you haven't played it in like 10 years or whatever. But I think uh, Jungle is definitely the one to go for. It just feels like the most complete to me. And uh, the balance of everything is probably the best. The uh, PlayStation ones are also really good. Um, oh, okay. so- Soviet and nu- nuclear strike. Uh, very cool. I'm a big fan of full motion video. the inclusion of fmv in those games just boosts it for me i know a lot of people hate that but uh, it just adds to the cheese factor for me but uh, those are really good but if you want to go classic i would say jungle definitely
2: yeah the fmv stuff is always so interesting because i remember i mean i remember being blown away when i was a little kid probably I don't know, 11 12 maybe 12 13 tops but like holy crap there's real people exactly. in my video game like <laughs> i was absolutely blown away and in hindsight it was like i'd much rather watch one of those stitched together night trap movies than actually yeah. play night trap and right. um thunder in paradise i you know i made a whole <laughs> lot of jokes about that I'm friends with you yeah. from wrestling with gaming but yeah, yeah that was the one that like i think that was the best FMV i've played so far although um, the one on the three DO is it the encounter data oh, Encounter, whatever
3: Daedalus Encounter, I think it's D-dalis called. Yeah. Encounter. Yeah. I'll yeah. Yeah. i yeah.
2: to pronounce that right, but <laughs> everybody says I should give that one a shot too, but I need to have just pa- <transcripts of photography> like with, um, thunder and paradise. I gotta be patient. I can't just play five minutes and walk away. I that one.
3: Yeah. Again. That one is actually pretty difficult to get into. I found, uh, you definitely really? need, you definitely need some patience. <laughs> It's got like some weird. I never did,
2: but <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's got some weird mechanics. But yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. I, I absolutely love the uh, the Sega CD stuff by Digital Pictures. Um, oh man, I just you know, Corpse Killer, just terrible stuff like that. So good, <laughs> so good. Surgical Strike, Tomcat Alley, oh great.
2: <laughs> I I remember being absolutely devastated when I got that game which one all, all tomcat alley i just uh, yeah. i always wanted to be a pilot when i was yeah, a kid yeah. i could tell you every speck of every published version of every military <laughs> plane i was just i wanted so badly and then i saw that game advertised and i was just like okay now this is it yeah. this is what i've been waiting for it's real people in a real <laughs> f-14 that i get to and then i bought the game i got home and i'm like you don't fly the plane no what do you mean you don't – why is this even a game if you don't fly the plane? This could be yeah. – uh, oh, And I ended yeah. up beating it on uh, easy mode and I just uh, – uh, uh, I was devastated for that one. I couldn't believe it. I was, I was more devastated about that than when I was about 16 years old and my neighbor who was an Army recruiter runs into me. He's like, hey, what are you up to? I'm like, ah, Navy recruiter just came by. Uh, you know, I'm kind of considering it. He's like, dude, you're colorblind. They won't let you pump gas into an airplane, (laughs) let alone fly one. What are you doing? You can't. They'll never put you in an airplane. I'm like, damn it. Well, (laughs) there goes that.
3: (laughs) Yeah, Tomcat Alley. Oh, man, I played that so much. I I know it's just a shooting gallery. There's no like, (laughs) you just point and point a cursor and just shoot, but hey, it's what I liked.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Are, was there any FMV stuff on the C sixty four?
3: Uh no. C sixty four not even um, capable because, of wait, that. Because,
2: um well the successors with the CD mm, drives in them. That's kind of what I was thinking of, not the C64. Mm, I spit that out wrong. Sorry.
3: Yeah, no, I mean there were games with digitized graphics. Uh, you know, um, probably one of the best examples I could think of is a game called Mean Streets, the first Tex Murphy game the PC series, they actually put that on the C64. It's actually pretty impressive. Um, I can't believe they actually managed to do that, but uh, yeah, uh, FMV, no, Um, uh, the, the, the Amiga heads is capable of doing that in some sort of way, but not really. So FMV was just a little bit too, too advanced at that time because CD drives, right? The the Amiga and C64 obviously had disk drives. So, storage space so would just not be possible.
2: Yeah, that's something that you might be able to clarify for people who didn't grow up with this stuff. Um is there like an easy path of what happened after the C64? So C64, C128, and they merged with Amiga, and then like what what was kind of the, the path forward from that? And what's the backward compatibility? Sorry to throw all these questions at you, but you know.
3: Yeah, uh, the C sixty four obviously it went to the Amiga. And the Amiga had a whole lot of iterations of it, like the Amiga 1000, blah, blah, blah. And then you got the um, Commodore basically um, just kind of didn't keep up. They, they, they stuck with the Amiga architecture for a little bit too long, basically, at least from my, my perspective. They stuck with it a little bit too long and didn't progress enough. So PCs kind of just took over. And mm-hmm. the Commodore brand just kind of disappeared, so that was kind of the end of it. They also made a few, like you know, like Sega uh, in the in the late nineties. They made a few mistakes and uh, kind of cost them big time, like the um, uh, the Commodore. Um, I for, I've, I've totally forgot what the name of the thing is called. It's basically a consoleized Commodore sixty four um, that came out in Europe in nineteen ninety. It was basically the C sixty four with no keyboard, and you just stuck cartridges in the back. That was an ill fated thing. It was a little bit too late at that point, so that cost them, you know, a lot and put everything back. Uh, the Amiga, they needed to, you know, really boost the um, upgraded a lot to have kept up, which they did, but it wasn't enough. So that's kind of how it all ended. But uh, yeah, sorry. What, what was the other part of your question? <laughs>
2: Um, you know, backward compatibility. So if somebody mm. got a later model of that stuff, would mm. you still have okay. all the C64 mm. mm. on
3: it? Yeah. So C64, which, which, which is cool about it. If you got say a, a, a Commodore 128, you could mm. still play all the C64 games. So there was no, uh, there was no issue with that. And likewise with the Amiga, at least for the, yeah. If you watch like say Amiga 1000 or whatever, and, what, later models, you could play the Mega 500 games and everything. So there was never any uh, issues like that, which was what I loved about older systems. You know, they, they were, you could play your old stuff, you know, modern stuff. It's kind of hit and miss whether that's a reality or not, which it mm-hmm. should be, but whatever. Um, yeah. So it's all backwards compatible. Yeah.
2: Awesome. Um, so is there anything else that I forgot to ask or talk about anything you wanted to mention? Cause I think I really appreciate the whole perspective of growing up in a different country and, and uh, you know, how you saw this stuff. Um, we're definitely going to link to that 40th anniversary video. Cause I think any other questions I have, you probably going to have cleared up right there. Uh, but it, was there anything else you want to talk about that? I'm just not, uh, not hitting the right points here.
3: Um, no, I just, uh, please check out the channel. Uh, there's a lot of variety, like I said. So if you like retro gaming and just history of gaming, you'll probably enjoy it. I'm busy working on right now. It's a third part to my arcade series, a documentary. I've got part one and two. It covers the 70s and 80s in arcades. Mm-hmm. Um, just I'm almost at the end of this one. I'm busy working on right now. It's going to cover the 90s arcade scene. Nineties
2: arcade scene worldwide or specific to where you grew up or worldwide.
3: So okay. it's about five hours long. So better Ooh. strap yourself in. Um, I'm almost done. I'm probably another week or two away from releasing it. I'm almost like I'm right at the end. It's taken like two months to put this together. But so, so yeah, it's
2: going to be one five hour long video.
3: That's just the nineties
2: just the 90s (laughs) would you ever consider releasing these in parts both for algorithm reasons and just to you know make it a playlist and stuff like that
3: um well part one the 70s one is you know is is an hour long so it's reasonable but the 70s the yeah it's obviously the birth of arcades there's not a huge amount of games to cover there obviously is a lot the 80s one is like about five hours or so but there's a hell of a lot of games, but I don't know. I just, I do not really care about the algorithm. I, you know, I just make the video the way I want to watch it. I know it's not uh, humanly possible for a person to watch a five hour video in one go, but you know, but you can just...
2: That's obviously not your intent. You're not no, asking somebody to sit on their no, couch i'm not No, it, you right? can just, you yeah. can
3: just press stop on YouTube and when you play it again, you continue. So I don't know what the big deal is, but, and algorithm, I just don't care. I just make it the way... want and just release it I just I know I could cut it up and make like bite-sized pieces but uh, what I'm gonna what I'm gonna do is um, once the 90s one is done I'm gonna edit them all together to make one video (laughs) but to to make it even more crazy which will be about 10 hours so but uh, but you can watch you know them in different decades so and I'll and I and I will put a timestamp on, on the year, so like nineteen ninety, ninety one. So if you if there's a specific year you want to watch, so you could just jump straight to that. So awesome.
2: Okay. <laughs> so I'll obviously link to your channel. Are you on any social media or discords or anything like that? You know, where do people find you other than your channel or, or nowhere else?
3: <laughs> no, you can find me on like pretty much all social media, uh Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all under. Bastish B64K. Just check it out. Um, I post stuff on like, you know, just my game collection, covers of games, uh, computer stuff. So it's like a supplement. It's not just a mirror image of the YouTube thing. So Mm. check, check, check those out if you want to get some more
2: info. Cool. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you for your work. I do, I, you know, it took me a while to, to queue up that playlist, but I've been watching your videos and genuinely enjoying them. I, no disrespect, you wouldn't be here if I didn't like your videos. <laughs> so, <laughs>
3: awesome. So thank Thanks a lot. Thank you for your
2: work. Yeah, and, uh, you know, everything that you do. And um, we'll, you know, I'll let everybody know when the videos are released. And of course, you know, I'll have links to everything here.
3: Okay. Yeah. Thanks a lot, man. I, I really appreciate it. Cheers.